What's up, everyone? Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. Joining me to break down a wild game day 12 is David Hine, who's fresh off a trip to Patras, Greece, to see Prometheus versus Strasbourg. Dave, how was your trip? Yes, very good, very good. Uh, a wonderful place to, to visit, and uh, but uh, happy to be back uh, uh, home, more or less. And uh, yeah, another week of great games, and we're getting close. We're getting close to the to the uh, to the playoffs. So uh, let's go. Let's go coast to coast. That's right. There are only two game days left in the BCL regular season. Nine of the sixteen playoff spots are still up for grabs. So there's a lot to be decided in these final two weeks. To keep up with everything, you can go check out championsleague.basketball. That's the official website. Also, download the Basketball Champions League app. Remember, you can watch all of these games on livebasketball.tv, and the games are uploaded to the BCL YouTube channel every Monday. So go check those out. Uh, Dave and I are going to break down game day 12. Coming up later on the show, we have an interview with Ryan Brown, the star for Prometheus. Dave had a chance to catch up with him while he was out in Greece, so stay tuned for that. First up, the game day 12 team of the week. He does. If he falls, he's got the record. Oh, he does. He's got the record. 43 points for Kiefer Sykes. All right. Leading off the team of the week, the first player to ever make the team in a losing effort, Kiefer Sykes, exploded for 43 points. That's a BCL record. Also had seven assists. But unfortunately, Avellino lost to Banvit. Sykes basically had to do everything by himself. Pretty remarkable effort for him. He gets on the team of the week for breaking the record. Joining him, David Holston from Dijon had 31 points, 7 of 13 from the three-point line, and 6 assists. Rihard Lomas from Vinspiels, he had 19 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists for them. Jordan Morgan from Banvit. 24 points, 63% shooting from the field, and 7 rebounds as they took down Avellino. And Vince Hunter from Ike Athens is the MVP this week. 24 points, 11 rebounds, 5 assists, making another strong case that he should be MVP of the season. Uh, Dave, what were your thoughts on the team of the week this week? Uh, yeah, you know, I was really happy that... Um uh, I was really happy that Lomas actually made the team. There have been some good games from him in the past. Um uh, you know, what can you say about about uh, Sykes um, actually tying a personal record with the forty three? Um, and it's it seemed it seemed like uh, destiny that he would that he would do that in at Bandvit. Uh, of course, last year he was uh, the second division Turkish second division scoring champion, and he scored forty three uh, forty three against Petkim. Um, as a member of the Ankara DSI team. So uh, Sykes uh, definitely filling it up uh, back again in Turkey. And Vince Hunter, man, I mean, he's, you know, we had him on the show. We've talked about his his uh, his um, uh, diving everywhere for loose balls. And, I mean, this is, uh, you know, I definitely uh, – Regular season MVP, without a doubt, uh, in my eyes. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, fantastic. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you completely on Hunter as the MVP uh, for the regular season. Is there anybody who didn't make the, the cut this week that you were surprised not to see on the team of the week? I mean, Cameron Clark had a, had a case. Um, Lamont's big victory over, over Nisney, you know, 24 points, nine rebounds. Even TJ Williams, 
Um, Ostend's, you know, huge, uh, uh, win over, over, uh, by right blowout win. I'm sure that might come up later on, uh, 21 points, three assists, two rebounds. He was huge, uh, in that fourth quarter as well. Um, yeah, those, those are probably the only two. Do you, do you have anybody that, that you think, uh, had a case? Yeah, a couple other contenders. Uh, Nicolas Brasino had 20 points for Tenerife, just completely exploded in the fourth quarter, just on fire. Uh, that, that was ridiculous to watch as he dragged Tenerife back uh, to a big win on the road at Halone. And then also Tyrese Rice, I could have seen on there with 24 points, six assists, five rebounds. 11 of those 24 points uh, came in the fourth quarter as, as Bomberg beat Antwerp and qualified for the playoffs. But at the same time, I mean, Sykes was incredible. 43 points, you got to put that guy on the team of the week, e- even if they lost, because uh, that was just a superhuman effort from him. And then Holston with 31, like, can't really kick him off either. So a lot of incredible individual performances this week in the BCL. Now let's take a look at some of the best games from the round, starting it off with Group A. And remember to stay tuned for the podcast later on for our interview with Ryan Brown from Prometheus Patris. Here is Morgan. Goes in for another dunk. In Group A, Ukam Murcia still on top at 11-1. They have clearly been the best team in this group. They have the best record in the BCL up to this point. Behind them, Banvit are 8-4 and four after their big win over Avellino. Avellino in third place at 7-5. and five. Then we've got a three-way tie between Lamon, Nizhny, and Vinspiels all at 5-7, and seven, battling for that last playoff spot. Anvil are at four and eight, and then Ludwigsburg in last place at three and nine. Uh, Dave, just kind of looking at Group A, there's that there's that cluster of teams there fighting for that fourth seed. Uh, what what kind of jumps out to you about this group? I mean, you know, Ventspils, yeah, getting a huge win two in a row now. Um, had a, a twenty one to six run on the road, uh, Ludwigsburg. Uh, I, you know, Ludwigs would probably have to have some of the, the, the strangest, um, uh, game developments over, you know, leads that they've lost, uh, over the course of the season. There was obviously there was the bandwidth game way, way back at the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, um, also, you know, Lamont, another, you know, huge victory. Uh, they've won three out of four. Um, they only turned the ball over seven times against, uh, against Nizhny. Uh, who seems to be kind of falling apart. One name that, you know, that really some people might not remember uh, or not know that, that much about, Anton uh, Aito from, from Le Mans, uh, had, a, had a big game again, um, 13 points, four, uh, four rebounds, five assists, three, two steals. He actually had two huge threes at the, late, at the end of the game against Ludwigsburg. Um, so again, a name that, that maybe not many people want, uh, might know, he was obviously on the, the Le Mans championship team, Last season, and also also won the French championship back in two thousand nine with with Asvel. So, um, yeah, I mean, I always you know you love you love to have the 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 games or the group the standings everything decided at the end, and so you have a three way tie for for really one spot. Um, and even Anvil, I guess, is not not out of it, um, you know, because they're only they're only game back. But yeah, I always enjoy a little bit of chaos. So there we go. 
Yeah, Lamont, a huge victory this week, 89-74 over Nizhny to jump into fourth place as it stands right now. Looking at the, the schedule for those teams in that three-way tie, Lamont, their last two games are at Avellino and home versus Anvil. Nizhny host Vince Spiels next week, so that's a huge game. The winner of that game will be in a great position moving forward while the loser will be in trouble. Uh, and Nizhny's last game is at Ludwigsburg. Then Vince Spiels, uh, after traveling on the road at Nizhny, they host Avellino for their last game. So a lot to be decided there in Group A. It's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, Dave, let's just kind of keep this thing rolling, and we'll move on to Group B. They have the lead now. White dipping that shoulder. Finds Brasino. Brasino has been huge in this fourth quarter. Looking at Group B, Tenerife still on top at 10-2. and two. They clinched first place with a win on the road at Halone. Behind them, Umana Raya Venezia 8-4 still have not officially qualified for the playoffs after they were upset this week against Bond. Disappointing uh, performance from them after beating Tenerife the week prior. Pauk, they're in third place right now, but they're in a three-way tie with Halone and Nanterre. All of those teams are 7-5. and five. Then we've got Bonn behind them at 5-7, and seven. Fribourg in seventh place at 3-9, and nine, and Opava in last place at 1-11. and 11. Uh, I think probably the, mo- the most interesting game from this group this week was Tenerife winning on the road at Halone. This was a game where Halone did not have Khalif Wyatt, who's been out for a little while, or Corey Walden, their two primary ball handlers, but they were still in this game, and in fact, they were actually ahead by double digits in the first half. It was a back-and-forth game in the fourth quarter, and, and then, like I mentioned, Nicholas Brasino just completely caught fire uh, and, and put the game away. Dave, any, any general thoughts on this game? You know, Tenerife, we've talked about it really all season. They just keep giving me reasons not to think that they can make a Final Four. Um, they were 6 of 23, um, so that's 26% from three-point range before the fourth quarter, and then go 5 of 7, four of those from from uh, from Brusino. Didn't miss a shot, 6 of 6 uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, only turned the ball over seven times and a 31 to 18 fourth quarter. Uh, so, I mean, Brasino, you know, literally carried them to this victory. Um, one, one thing you have to note is, uh, Thad McFadden, uh, returned, uh, first game since, uh, since, um, since the December 11th game, game day eight, um, and, uh, had nine points, five rebounds, five assists. So now you have that backcourt, uh, you sort of have that, that playmaking duo of, 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 uh, Thad McFadden and Davin White. So, yeah. And I mean, Halone to do that, um, without, without Wyatt, who's been out for a while, uh, uh, now, and then also without Walden. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it would be a shame if they don't, uh, uh, alone don't make it. Um, again, it's, it's just strange that, or not strange. It's just, it's just kind of comical that, 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 that Tenerife keep giving me reasons not to really like them and then they keep winning. So. Yeah, it, it is a little bit concerning that they fell behind against the team uh, that was, you know, missing their their two main playmakers. And Scotty Reynolds is in there filling in for Wyatt, and he's, you know, he's he's pretty solid. He had seven points, ten assists, also had six turnovers. He's just not the same guy. Uh, he's just not quite as good as as Wyatt and Walden. He's not as uh, explosive getting to the rim. He's not a, as dangerous of a scorer. So I expected Tenerife, when I realized those two guys were out, I expected Tenerife to win big. They did uh, get the 11-point win, but it was not uh, not in the fashion that I was expecting. 
Elsewhere in this group, Pauk with the biggest win in BCL history, beating Opava by 50 points, 93 to 43. Nanterre also got a big win on the road, 92 to 81 over Fribourg. And then, like I mentioned, Bonn with the win on the road at Venezia, 73 to 69. Dave, did you have any any final notes on this group? Nanterre uh, made 16 of 28 threes, 57%. They're actually the second best uh, three-point shooting team in the competition, 45.4%. Pauk, actually the top team at 45.8%. Um, just imagine Nanterre missing the playoffs by one game and think back to October 10th, game day one. And they lost by seven points at Opava. Ouch. It's a nine-second differential between game and shot clock. Therese Rice gets into the paint. Gets into the heart of the defense. Moving on to Group C, defending champions Ike Athens still in first place at 10-2. and two. Hapoel Jerusalem keep rolling along. They are also 10 and 2 in second place. Then we've got Bomberg in third at 8 and 4. Antwerp in fourth at 6 and 6. Lead Cabellis and Dijon behind them at 4 and 8. And Nimberg and Fuenlabrada at the bottom at 3 and 9. The best game from this group this week was Bomberg winning 82 78 against Antwerp at home. I mentioned Tyrese Rice exploding in the fourth quarter, and, uh, but that was a back and forth game. A really great battle between two exciting teams. Antwerp, the young kids came to play. They were very feisty, pesky defense. They forced 11 Bomberg turnovers in the first half. It seemed like they were getting their hands on everything. They were deflecting passes. Paris Lee was forcing Tyrese Rice into turnovers. Uh, it, it was a great effort from Antwerp, but they kind of lost their composure a little bit in the fourth quarter. Rice took over, and Antwerp just weren't able to stop him. He was getting to the rim whenever he wanted. Paris Lee played off of him a little bit too much, trying to prevent that drive, gave him a three-pointer that was huge. Uh, so Rice did what Rice does, took over in the fourth quarter. Antwerp couldn't quite respond. Dave, did you have any thoughts on, on Bomberg winning this game? You know, this was the first uh, victory in the in the league, in the BCL for Federico Perego, the replacement um, for the for Ines Pekatskis, who was fired. Um and obviously, you know, they had the, the, the really bad loss last week. Uh, uh, back in Germany, they, uh, Bomberg did beat Bonn. Um, they had been down by 14, but came back to win that game uh, in the semifinals of the German Cup. And so they're in the final now and will take on Berlin. So it was, you know, you had the victory back home in Germany, and now you have this, uh, uh, another big victory. Question is still out there whether or not Perego stays. Um, you know, immediately, um, immediately after the firing, you know, uh, Sasha Obradovich was was the was the name being uh, bounced around. Uh, you you know, they're in the final now, um, and in the in the German Cup final, and they're you know they have a, they they're they're in the the playoffs. You you know you you wonder okay there's there's the two playoff there's the two games left in the in the regular season maybe then do they go for a coaching change or not 
remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, a very important victory. Um, you know, we had, I think I mentioned last week, you know, saying that this was really a, a tough game for them because of their struggles. Um, and, you know, Antwerp, you know, they could have taken actually the, the, the tiebreaker advantage with a, with a, I think it was a, with a eight point victory or something like that. Um, but for them to come through, you know, Alexander was big too, 12 points and 11 rebounds. Uh, so big win by, by Bumberg. Yeah, Alexander had some huge dunks in that game. Uh, also, I, I thought it was interesting. Antwerp down three with under 10 seconds to go, and they took the ball out from the sideline. And Hans Van Wijn tried to throw a lob up to Ishmael Baco, like to, to get a quick two, I guess, uh, which seemed like a really bad decision. He ended up, it, it was a bad pass, turned the ball over, and Bomberg were able to seal the game. But Van Wijn had a, had a great game overall 15 points, six rebounds. Uh, he, was, he was hitting threes, he was made some fadeaways in the post, he had a couple nice dunks. Couple really good passes. Great game overall um, for the young Belgian, but questionable decision on that last play. And I'm I'm not sure if if that was exactly where they wanted to go with it or not. But um, I thought that was a, an interesting decision down three to go for the go for the quick two instead of the tie. Elsewhere in this group, Ike with the win against Fuente Labrada. Vince Hunter, as we mentioned, MVP performance out of him. Hapoel Jerusalem with a blowout win on the road at Nimburg, one eleven. To 80. And the last game in this group, Dijon 99 to 91 win over Leet Cabellus. We mentioned David Holston going crazy. Uh, David, any notes elsewhere in this group? You know, you mentioned Hunter. Uh, just uh, to note, you know, Jordan Theodore, obviously uh, a huge name, huge addition for, for Ike, had 19 points, uh, seven of 13 shots, uh, two rebounds, an assist, and two steals. Um, and then also former podcast uh, uh, um, guest, uh, Axel Julian with uh, 16 points, five rebounds, nine assists, and five steals in the big game uh, over uh, for Dijon over Elite Cabellas. On Taylor. Now Puncher, you know he wants to take a shot. Taylor's just hit one. Will it be two? Yes! Ice running in his veins, and the last group is the most interesting one as it's been for the for the past five weeks or so. Group D is fascinating. In first place, nine and three Virtus Bologna are the only team to have clinched a playoff spot. In second place, we've got Prometheus Patris at eight and four. And then Besiktas and Ostend are seven and five, currently in the playoffs as it stands right now. In fifth place, Neptunus are six and six. Strasbourg also six and six. Then we've got Bayreuth at four and eight. And in last place, Petrol Olympia one and 11. Dave, since you were just in Patris, uh, we'll, we'll start off the Group D segment with some Prometheus talk. They beat Strasbourg 77 to 64. Big win for them uh, in terms of the playoff standings and, and securing their spot a little bit. And it was a great team effort from Prometheus. Nikos Kikas led the way with 16 points. Langston Hall had 13 points. Tony Meyer had 11. Ryan Brown and Octavius Ellis were hosting a dunk contest. Um, Dave, just kind of in general, what were some of your thoughts on this game? And, and what was it like being there uh, live and in person in Patras? You know, this was, uh, this was, it was really nice to see this team uh, up close and personal. Actually, both teams. And we'll get to, I, I think we're going to get to Strasbourg uh, briefly as well. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of weapons on this team, and I mean, everybody talks about Brown, and 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 I think deservedly so. He struggled, you know, only had uh, five of thirteen shots, but you look at the other things he did, um, you know, five, six, six rebounds, four assists, a block, and a steal. He gets down, plays D, um, and you know they have guys that they can, um, you know, Yusuf Afal, 
you know, they were trying to change things with, with Parks, Ellis, um, and, you know, they have a lot of different guys. Lepovi gives them such a, such a, uh, he's such a weapon that they can use, especially defensively. You know, he was out, he was out guarding, um, he was out guarding the point guard for a while. And, you know, this is just a, a team and that, and they also take care of the ball, you know, only six turnovers. Okay, Strasburg isn't a team that really is going to force a lot of turnovers, but, um, it's just a group that really plays together well. Um, they play their style well. And uh, it's a fan group that really is loud and knowledgeable. And um, it, was, it was funny because Tuesday I, – I, I, didn't, I didn't know this at all, but I guess Tuesday is um, – Greek teams like to have Wednesday home games because um, I guess the market is closed on, in Greece on Wednesday. So the crowd was a little bit, uh, uh, a little bit sparser than I, th- than I thought it would be. Uh, but they were still loud, and and they also have the academy kids there, the youth group. They come there, they all sit together, and they have their horns going and stuff like that. So, um, just in general, really uh, a really fun atmosphere uh, and a small family atmosphere still. So it, it was, and it was, it was a good game throughout. And you know, just seeing the athleticism of the of the of the brown. Uh, Brown Ellis duo is, is is pretty fun and and Meyer man Mayer he you know he just gives you you know uh, I think he scored thirty points in a game before already you know so you know this is a team that really has everything there that if they were a bigger name team and you looked at the roster and the and the pieces that those or the, the things that those guys do they you would say yeah that's a team that could you know in theory play for play for a Final Four so but yeah it's it's a it's an impressive group for sure. Yeah, I love watching this team play. I love their defensive effort. Brown, uh, as, as the guy who you know would probably, if you were, if you were choosing an MVP from this team, you'd probably go for a guy like Brown. Uh, and so it, it's cool to see the star player get out there and defend the way he does as well. He's not a guy who's offense only; like he he brings it on both ends of the floor, and he plays a ton of minutes. So to, to have his energy level uh, and and be out there as, as often as he is 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 really impressive. I thought. For Strasbourg, you know, only 23 points in the second half. We mentioned, uh, you know, their fourth quarter struggles in recent weeks, uh, and, and, and it was a problem again. Part of that's just good Prometheus defense. Part of that is Strasbourg has just com- continued to struggle late in games to create good looks and, and to convert. Part, part of that is old. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> part of that is age. Yeah. You're, and you wear down over the course of a game, you know. You look at – you look at uh, – Petrus is already, you know, he's already 38 this year. Um, you have you have Traore, who's 33, I believe. Collins, 34. Green, 33. Even uh, Nuzelli's uh, getting up there. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's 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 a uh, it's an aging group. You know, Green was really you know, Green. He didn't do much offense uh, scoring wise, but you know, you saw that he is the absolute leader of that team. You know, the way he was, you know, you know, commanding the troops and on. The one thing I don't know if I really like about it is is really how he really barks at guys in, in a sort of a, a meanish looking way. Um, but you know, had a huge pass over to to Long for the three right before the half court uh, halftime buzzer. Uh, he is clearly the floor general in this team, but yeah, four points off turnovers, three fast pro- fast break points. You know that just says it. You know they they don't run at all. They just, you know they don't have. And then by the time the fourth quarter comes around, you know these guys are aging, and I think that has a factor uh, in it. So 
Yeah, and, and not only their old guys, but their young guys just aren't fast either. Like Yusufa Fall does not get up and down the court quickly. You know, he has his he has his purpose as a seven three guy who can kind of you know alter shots around the rim and get offensive rebounds and get easy baskets and stuff like that. But he's not a guy who's who's playing in transition. Um, Nicola Long, you know, he's a great shooter, but he's and and Jarrell Eddy, same situation. Both those guys are really good shooters, but they're not the fastest guys in the world. So yeah, speed seems like a really big problem for this Strasbourg team. Uh, Prometheus just killed them getting out in transition. That that series where uh, Octavius Ellis had like a few alley-oops in a row, mm-hmm. um, that, that was just, just Prometheus just running and getting whatever they wanted in transition, basically. So big problems there for Strasbourg. They're now uh, out of the playoff picture as it stands. They can still get in there, but on a losing streak, uh, it, it does not look good for the French team right now. Um, Dave, just in, in general on Prometheus, I was wondering what's kind of the backstory of the club there? Like, why, why did you get sent to Patras uh, to, to go cover this team right now? I, I specialize in youth basketball. I write the, the homegrown column on, on the young players, and they, they opened a, a, a youth academy training center, um, a pretty impressive uh, entire sort of uh, um, situation there. I'll, I'll be writing about that in a couple of weeks uh, during the during the break between the regular season and the playoffs. Um, you know, this is a this is a, a, a an up and coming team. You know, uh, the 2015-16 season they were still in the second division. Uh, really, they've only been, let's say, a, a real a professional team, if you will, since the 13-14 season. Uh, made back to back to back promotions, um, and and then last year, you know, finished uh, in the in the top four, which is basically finishing the top two in any other country that doesn't have uh, the beasts that are uh, Olympiacos and Panathinaikos. But it's a club that that you know has a. The owner is is the um, is the owner of Cafe Island, which is a a, a, a chain of, of coffee uh, shops um, that's that's sort of expanding also uh, internationally, um, and is a, just a, a, a basketball. I'm not gonna say freak, but just a, a huge basketball fan, and a, a real he's a real visionary. And and just has has really big plans for this team and 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 if it all comes to to fruition, you know, in in theory, this is a team that could a club that could long term maybe challenge that big two. Um, uh, you know, you look at what they're doing here in the cha- in the in the Champions League, and it's you know this group of death. Nobody nobody had them on their radar, and so um, it, it's. It's if I was if I was Greek, uh, if I was in the, in the Greek league, I wouldn't necessarily be wanting to face these guys over the long term um, because I, I, the owner the the owner has the money that he could you know put into it later on uh, when he needs it and um, and uh, you know it's 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 something that's up and coming you know that we'll have to see. If if everything comes to fruition, what they want, but if they if they can do what they what they kind of intend, they could be a team that you have to really have to watch out for. Yeah, and and one thing that I was really excited about uh, you going 
to this game and, and just being around the arena there a little bit what what's kind of like the vibe of the team like and the organization you know that that type of stuff you can kind of only get if you're there in person so i was really curious uh to see what it was like just being around uh the organization from the staff workers to your conversation with brown just kind of what's what's the general mood of the place just everything is character and family um you know you talk to everybody and and values and those are the those are the probably the two words I heard more, most, you know, then, and then talking to everybody, it was just character, you know, and then they look for, you know, also character of the young players that they bring in and that they want to invest uh, their time and energy in and, and, and give everybody a family atmosphere. And, um, and, and you, you see that connection with the players. Uh, um, but, but that's, that seems really a huge bond there. Yeah, for sure. And Greek teams doing really well in the BCL this season. Of course, we've got the defending champions, Ike, at 10-2, and two, and they look like they might uh, win back-to-back titles. Prometheus, at times, have looked like a Final Four team, like you said. You know, they're, a, they're an upstart team, so maybe we don't think of them that way. But if they, if they had one of these other higher-profile clubs' uh, names, then, you know, maybe we, w- we would look at them as a Final Four contender. Uh, and then Pauk, also in the playoff picture, in Group B right now, um, Dave. Any any final thoughts on Prometheus or Strasbourg? No, not really. Uh, you, like you mentioned, you had your bold prediction. I don't think you're far off now that Strasbourg w- won't make the playoffs. I mean, you look at uh, even Neptunus is ahead of them in the standings. Okay, that's also because of the of of, of tiebreakers, but um, not trending in the right direction. Yeah, and it's not going to get any easier for Strasbourg. Their final two games, they host Virtus Bologna, the group leaders, next week, and then they're on the road at Ostend in the final game day of the season. That will surely be a must-win game. Uh, and, of course, Ostend are absolutely rolling right now. So tough situation for Strasbourg. I'm feeling pretty good about calling that they would make the playoffs after that loss to Besiktas a couple weeks ago. Speaking of Besiktas, they won what was the game of the week, I think, in terms of inner entertainment value and just pure craziness they beat Virtus Bologna on the road 71 to 70 this was a game where Besiktas started out on fire Jason Rich was incredible I mean this guy is just so smooth so difficult to defend Uh, he just looks like Kobe Bryant out there in the mid range with the way he has these little shimmy shakes and turnaround fadeaways. And, uh, he, he's the complete package. This has been a completely different team, uh, since he came on board. So Rich was awesome. Besiktas were playing great defense. They were just very pesky, forcing turnovers, getting out in transition. Phil Pressey was great. Um, they ended up taking a 22 point lead in the first half and then, Bologna came roaring back in the fourth quarter. Uh, incredible comeback. I, w- I was really excited for this one, actually, once they fell behind by 20 points because I wanted to see all of these scores in just like all-out attack mode as they desperately tried to get this game back. And it was pretty cr- incredible to watch. Um, Kevin Punter uh, started to catch fire a little bit offensively. Paiola and Martin, these guys stepped up the defensive intensity in the fourth quarter to force some turnovers. Brian Qualley was really good. And Bologna, 
after a crazy sequence, I really encourage everyone to go back and watch this game on livebasketball.tv or at least watch the condensed game. There was a, a crazy sequence at the end of the game uh, where Kevin Punter had a chance to win it with a wide open three pointer. He was just too wide open. He hesitated. Um, I think he, I think he was surprised to get as much space as he did with the ball in his hands to win that one. Missed the shot on the buzzer. Bashik just come away with the win. Um, Dave, what did, what did you think about the Istanbul club uh, keeping things rolling and upsetting Bologna on the road? Barely, barely keeping it rolling. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, I only watched this game after obviously knowing the result, and I, I knew that punt, uh, punter missed the shot. But you know, go back and watch it because it's it's fun. You know, this 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 team can can score so much so fast, and and they're just so exciting. Um, but, uh, yeah, to- Tony Taylor had uh, the two big threes yeah. late as well to yeah. make it the one point game, and. Yeah, you know, um, we've talked about it all year. You know, this is a team that has so many different weapons. You know, even Quali really didn't do much uh, offensively, at least, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, you know, but had two, you know, real big, big uh, defensive plays. And um, yeah, this uh, Bologna's fun to watch. <laughs> Just let's put it that way. And Bashik to say, man, you have to tip your hat. You know, okay, they missed they missed their chances, a couple of chances to to kind of put it away and 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 gave the the last shot to to Bologna to Virtus. But uh, you know, uh, Bashik this is still there. So yeah, I think a, a ton of credit in this game goes to Phil Pressy. Where if you if you look at the box score, thirteen points, six assists, five rebounds, only one turnover. Like that that's a really solid game. But beyond that, just his pace offensively, where he was never out of control. Um he he just kept attacking the Bologna defense. He was penetrating and kicking out to shooters. He kept finding Robin Benzing for three pointers. So I thought Pressy was was great offensively. Um and in that fourth quarter when Bologna were ro- were just roaring back, he had a couple big plays where he hit a shot. Shot, had a nice assist uh, to kind of settle settle the nerves a little bit. Crazy finish. Um, Bologna, three losses in their last five BCL games, I, th- I think is a, a little bit surprising for them. But this is a brutal group. We know what kind of talent they have and, and the depth they have. I, th- I think this is still one of the uh, three or four most dangerous teams in the league for sure. Um, Dave, any, any final thoughts on this one? Uh, no, no, just, uh, you know, it, it definitely go back, very least go watch the condensed game. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, take it in, enjoy it. And the last two games in this group, Neptunus with a big win, 82-74 at home against Olympia Ljubljana. That was really important for them staying in the playoff race. And Ostend finally get a victory by more than four points. They beat Bayreuth 82-62 to to keep their winning streak going. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on these two games? Yeah, you know, um, the big, it was a six point game and, and even, uh, the Ostend, uh, Byrett game and, and even, uh, Byrett coach, uh, Kerner was saying, yeah, it's only six points. And then, uh, Ostend closed on a 20 to six, um, 20 to six run, Williams, eight points. I mentioned, you know, he had a really good game in, in general. And, uh, man, Luke Schwartz for them, you know, you look at the stats and you don't necessarily see it, but four points, two rebounds, seven assists, five steals. In those, in that, in that final twenty to six run, he had five assists and 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 two steals, um, and just coming up with big play after big play. Um, so, yeah, and, and another team that uh, you know you, you know is, is it rolling. 
All right, so that'll do it for our group breakdowns. Let's go to overtime. Five topics. We'll get through these pretty quickly. First up is stat of the week. Dave, what do you have for this one? O of 18. Bologna was, uh, missed their first 18 three-pointers, and, you know, that put them in the big hole, and, and that was too much. You know, they, they hit some threes down the stretch, but, you know, O of 18 uh, to, to in the first 32 minutes of the game, and, th- yeah, that was just... Uh, too too much to overcome. What do you got? Yeah, that one was brutal. Uh, for my stat of the week, I kept it simple. I went with 50, the margin of victory in that <laughs> Pau Copava game. That is just incredible. Uh, also, 43 Kiefer Sykes points this week. Two big uh, BCL records falling this week. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Next topic, surprise of the week. I guess... I don't know how surprised I am by this uh, because I I have not trusted this team at various moments, but Venezia losing at home to Bonn was really disappointing, especially after they beat Tenerife. Um, You know, seemed like, seemed like a prime opportunity for this Venezia team to come out, get a win, maybe clinch a playoff spot. Uh, But they, they were outperformed by an underwhelming team. So that was, that was my surprise of the week, but Venezia, you know, they've, they've been up and down all season. So who knows there? Uh, what, what's your surprise of the week, Dave? Um, Ostende winning by 20 points. Where'd that come from? <laughs> right. During their, during their five game winning streak, they had only won by four points, two points, and I think one point. Um, so pretty, pretty crazy there that they were finally able to get a slightly more comfortable victory. Uh, next up, let's go overreaction Friday. What do you got for this one, Dave? You know, I wanted to say that Prometheus would win the group. Um, but I, th- I think the 10 point, uh, actually the 10 point victory might be too much. I don't know if they're going to beat Bologna by, by, uh, by more than 10 points in Italy. Uh, so I'm going to go with, uh, Le Mans will make the playoffs. Um, they're, they're at, they've won three out of four. They're at Avellino. And obviously we know Avellino's, you know, up and down. Um, and then at home at Anvil. So yeah, let's go with, uh, Le Mans making the playoffs. What do you got? I was actually going to go the opposite way and say that no French teams will make the playoffs. So right now, so we've got Le Mans in fourth place in that three-way tie with Nizhny and Vince Beals. Then Nanterre also in a three-way tie in Group B with Halon and Pauk. Uh, Dijon technically still in it. Uh, they, they have a big game against Antwerp, but Antwerp blew them out the first time, so I don't see a way back for Dijon. And then Strasbourg uh, still in the mix, of course, in Group D, but I called that one, so I'm, I'm doubling down on my anti-French uh, take and saying that none of the French teams will make the playoffs. Next topic, surprising streak. This is the winning streak or the losing streak that you didn't see coming. Dave, what do you have for this one? Uh, I'm kind of torn between two, um, and uh, I think I'll leave the one that, that you might pick. Uh, I'll go with Nizhny Novgorod losing three in a row. Okay, why'd you choose that one? Uh, you know, this is a team that I've really enjoyed all all year. You know, especially uh, especially after Perry came back, and uh, but to, to see them come and 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 lose three in a row, and 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 you know, really put themselves in danger of not making the playoffs, I I just didn't see that. You know, I thought that you know they would even be competing for you know maybe a second or third spot, and and now they're they're in a super super dog fight to even get into the playoffs. Yeah, very true. We were we were pretty high on Nizhny earlier in the year. 
we'll we'll see how that turns out. I'm gonna go with Besiktas winning four in a row there in Group D. They've like I said, they've been a completely different team since Jason Rich got more comfortable. Um, you know, I'm I'm not surprised that they're doing better, but four wins in a row in that group is big time, especially when you're going into Bologna and winning on the road like that. So that that was the one that surprised me. Ostend don't surprise me anymore after <laughs> once once the once they yeah, but six in a row yeah. six in a row was a surprise. Yeah, once so once they got to five, yeah. I, I thought they would win this game, so I figured they'd get to six. So the the five was more surprising uh, than this one over over Bayreuth, uh, in my opinion. And last topic for overtime this week is the playoff matchup that we would most want to see if the playoffs started today. So remember that the one seeds get matched up against the four seeds, and the twos versus the threes. You can't be matched up against a team uh, from your group in the round of 16. So, Dave, what's the playoff matchup that you would want to see right now? There's a couple uh, that would really be fun. But I think from an excitement standpoint, I think I'm going to probably go with Bologna against Antwerp. Just seeing that, you know, those two teams going at it, their their youth and their, their dynamic play, I think that would be a fun one. What do you got? Yeah, I was actually going to choose Antwerp as well, but I was going to say Morcia versus Antwerp because Morcia's got that lockdown defense, okay. team full of veterans with a lot of experience, uh, whereas Antwerp has the explosive offense, the young kids. I, I think that would be really fun as a one versus four matchup. Uh, for a two versus three, how about uh, Venezia going up against Bamberg? That would be pretty awesome. Also, Jerusalem versus Besiktas would be the uh, would be a potential potential option as well. So I think those ones would be pretty amazing. Yeah, I, 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 there's Tenerife Ostend. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, uh, Mercy against Halone, I think, is another one that could probably be a pretty uh, fun matchup. And and also uh, Prometheus against Bamberg. You know, so those are the other ones that I that I that I thought you know yeah that would be a pretty pretty fun matchup. Yeah, for sure. It's fun to look ahead, but a ton to be decided in these last two weeks. So it's going to be really exciting to see how that shakes out. Coming up next, we have Dave's interview with Prometheus star Ryan Brown. Dave and I will join you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up and preview game day 13. What a move! Rio Brown, great back door! Great camera angle, what a pass from Dinkus! This is a big block. Rion Brown with real good defense there. Pet, what a pass! What a finish! Right at the basket, no dunk, just lays it over. Shots up and it's good by Rion Brown! Downtown Rion Brown! All right, so on the show this week, we have Ryan Brown from Prometheus Patras. Uh, Ryan, hey, thanks for coming on and uh, giving us some time. No problem, no problem. I was at the uh, the game against uh, the victory against uh, Sig Strasburg, uh, a very big victory for, for you and the team. Um, you suffered a pretty bad loss last week at Besiktas. Uh, maybe just talk about how good it was uh, for the team to to bounce back with a victory against a, a tough veteran uh, Strasbourg team. Yes, we we definitely needed it. Um, you know, we had a had a tough one the week before. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys that were, you know, a little tired, and you know the the playing schedule was starting to catch up with us a little bit. So. Um, you know, that, that game, I think it really showed, but, uh, this week we, 
you know, we recouped and uh, got back in the gym, you know, fine-tuned some things. And, you know, it did feel great to, you know, get one step closer to that round of 16. Um, you know, all the guys are very excited about being able to, you know, play in the playoffs this year. So, you know, we're just trying to finish out these last couple of weeks strong. With this victory, you, the team, you know, pretty much secures a spot in the playoffs. Uh, maybe just how important is that for you and the team? I know for me, honestly, uh, you know, at, playing league before, you know, that first year we ended up missing the playoffs. So, you know, I've, I've been itching to get back. But uh, I know a lot of these other guys, um, this is their first time in Champions League. So I think everyone's, you know, very excited about being one step closer to, you know, that round of 16. And hopefully we can get in there and make some noise. If if you look at the names in this, let's call it group of death, um, some people might be surprised that Prometheus mm-hmm. are second uh, with just two game days left. Uh, what was the mentality of this team going into this competition? You know, it's the first time that the that the club was playing internationally in his young history. What was the mentality going into this year? I think I think it was a show show who they are mentality. Um, I know coming in, they they talked a lot about the you know, they're upcoming and, you know, coming all the way from basically the bottom leagues in Greece and working their way up, you know, finally being a, you know, top team. And even last year, finishing the regular season in third place and then finishing fourth in the playoffs. I think they were ready for, you know, the next big step. And, you know, this is a club they pride themselves on just playing hard, you know, there's a lot of grit to our team, you know, even sometimes where we may lack in skill, we recover and hard work. So, um, you know, just us grinding out every game, you know, our, our classic press, you know, which has been a, been a big focal point of our, uh, of our wins this year. So, you know, we just always want to come out and play as hard as we possibly can. And hopefully the result is always on our side. You mentioned it earlier. This is actually the second season you played. Uh, you also were in the in the 2016-17 season with the Finnish club Katia. Um, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned sort of the motivation of trying to get to the second round uh, uh, into the playoffs. Uh, maybe what did you take from that experience going into this year? For one, experience in itself. Uh, you know, it's, it's a different animal having to play two games in one week and you know, the gruesome travel schedule. And, uh, you know, that year I really figured out, you know, how to rest and, you know, what days to push myself and, you know, always be ready for the next games, you know, in that week. And, and actually in country, we playing three games a week sometimes because in the finish league, you would have to play two games on that weekend because we would usually play one in the middle of the week where we had a Champions League game. So, there were weeks where we played Friday, Saturday, and then Wednesday or Tuesday also. So now, you know, going to two days a week, you know, I try to tell a lot of the guys, you know, you know, don't push, don't push too hard in practice. You know, you have to practice hard, but you know, you also have to preserve your body and take care of yourself and eat right. And that's one of the biggest things I took away from from that first year was just making sure I was always game ready. You know, when when that time came, and also the you know, European competition is, is very, very different. You know, you have many, many different styles of play when you go into go into those different games. You play teams that slow it down, you play teams really fast, you know, teams that play 
defense, like crazy defense, press, and teams that, you know, kind of set back and zone, you know, you never know. So um, another thing is always, you know, just staying true to your identity. You can't, you know, try to play like how other teams play. You have to play like yourself and try to control the tempo of the game and, you know, win the games the way you know how to win. So those are the two probably biggest things I took from that first year that I'm trying to, you know, lead and help the guys with this year. Um, speaking to a lot of people in the club, uh, this week, uh, I had a chance to be in Patras and just kind of get an idea about the club. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of words kept popping up. One was character and the other was family. Uh, not many people, not many people in European basketball know about this club. Maybe just give us, you know, a, a sense of what it's like to, for, for you, uh, to play with Prometheus Patras. Oh yeah. Like you said, family, you know, they've, they've been implementing that since the day we've been there. And, you know, even when it comes to, you know, family, even family problems, basketball problems, off the court problems, you know, they always want us to come to them, you know, directly to them, you know, you know, you don't have to contact your agents, you don't have to contact anybody else. You can call them or text them and, you know, they're right around the corners, you know, they'll come meet you anywhere you want to talk and, you know, it's been great to have, a, you know, organization that, and club that is so in tune, you know, with their guys that, you know, they want to just see us happy. You know what I mean? First and foremost, they know if we're happy and we're stress-free, that, you know, that translates to the basketball court. So, you know, for them to be so family-oriented is, is absolutely amazing. And like you said, you know, a lot of people don't know about this club yet, but I think they will after this year. Well, they they already getting to know this club for sure. This during the season for sure. Um, off the court a bit. Saw you sporting some some pretty nice uh, kicks. Uh, maybe are you a sneakerhead at all? I know there's a lot of them out there. You know, do you have some favorite shoes? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not as crazy as uh, some guys, but you know, I, I have my I have my fair share. But um, you know, I'm a I'm a big uh, big Jordan fan, of course. Um, you know, the Yeezys have been growing on me, but, you know, I'm not, I don't have too many of those, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm more in tune with the shoes that I play in. So, you know, my favorite shoes to play in are Kobe. So I'm a, I'm a big Kobe, uh, shoe fanatic. And I also saw you sporting the, uh, the headphones during warmups. Uh, what are you listening to, to get into, to game mode? Ooh, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I have a, have a playlist that go that goes at years for games, but uh, the last couple of games I've been listening to the, the new Future album, so um, he, he's been getting me right. Going back now, we we know your father played basketball, and we'll come back to him a little bit uh, uh, later more. Uh, but maybe how and when mm-hmm. did basketball find you? Oh yes, it found me at a very very young age. Uh, I was about five actually. But the crazy part is, uh, my first experience with basketball is I didn't want to play it anymore. <laughs> so, uh, it took, it took me a while to pick it back up. I was, I had my mindset I was playing football. So I told my dad I didn't want to touch basketball no more. I don't want to play football. I don't want to do nothing else but play football. And, uh, one year he, he tried to convince me to play. And, uh, his logic was, you know, hey, if you play basketball this year and you don't like it, you don't have to play again. He's like, I just want you to try one more time for me. 
And I did it that year, and then I never played football again after that. So, and I was at about 12 or 13. So I actually had a pretty late start, honestly. You know, if you look at, you know, a lot of kids that grow up playing basketball, you know, they got that ball in their hand from the time they're, you know, two, three years old. So I got a slightly late start, but I think I think it worked out. And And your brother, Tico Jr., he plays football, right? Yes. Yes. And it's weird how that happened. Uh yeah, he's a big football guy too. Um you know, maybe I was more so looking up to my big brother than, than anything, but uh, you know, me and him we, we were big football fans. And I guess maybe who were some of your role models growing up in the game? Um I d I don't know if you had those already in the earlier years or then when you finally started saying, Okay, I wanna I wanna do basketball then? Mm. Well, of course, you know, my dad, uh, you know, he started pulling out all the old tapes once I started playing. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but I was a big, big, big Tracy McGrady fan. Like, to, to this day, I would argue with anyone about the greatness of Tracy McGrady. So, you know, whatever team he was on was my favorite team. I wanted them to go to the playoffs and, and everything else. So that was that was my main, my main, main, main team that. We mentioned your father, Tico Brown. Um, he remains the CBA's all-time leading scorer after 19 years, won two championships, uh, was selected on the all-CBA modern era team. Uh, when did you realize just how good of a player your father actually was? I would probably say high school. Um, you know, growing up, I'm showing me those tapes when I was younger, it was more so like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you're all right, you know, but... <laughs> You know, I didn't understand the game at that point, but you know, once I got in high school and really started, you know, understanding when I was watching and and seeing that he was literally a scoring machine, you know, he could he could get a bucket from from anywhere. So, um, I think it was high school that I that I really realized, you know, that man, my my dad, he he, he was that guy back then. And maybe what are some of the things you learned from him? And then also maybe how does he still help you with basketball today? He literally taught me every single thing I know. Like, not even exaggerating, every single thing I know about basketball, I got it from him. And um, even to this day, at least, if not the night of the game, the next day or the next couple of days, he always calls me, you know, tell me what he saw, you know, things he thinks I could do better and, you know, work on. Like he tries to let me uh, critique myself a, a, a lot more these days, but uh, you know, he still calls and does his, you know, his weekly check-ins. But um, you know, when I was younger, we he would even record and film all all of my games, and we would go home and basically break down film about you know ways I could score, things I messed up on on defense, you know, passes I could have made that I didn't make, you know, so. He's really been big in my life as far as, you know, basketball and especially basketball IQ is the biggest thing, you know, he's been he's been there for me for. You're from Hinesville, Georgia. Uh your father went to Georgia Tech, uh, but you decided to go to the U, uh University of Miami. Uh maybe what was your biggest reason in go uh for going down to Florida? Um actually, you know, it was two you know, my goal was to play in the ACC. 
Uh, I grew up watching ACC with my dad, watching Georgia Tech play everybody every week, you know, during basketball season. So, you know, I grew up loving the ACC as a whole, you know, not even just one school. Like, you know, as kids, you, you don't really care, you know, what school your dad went to. You like who you like. So I actually ended up falling in love with the entire ACC and the style of play and, you know, everything that, you know, all the history, all the robbery. So, um, you know, with the recruitment time, you know, Georgia Tech actually came into the fold very late. Um, you know, I'm not sure why, but at that point, you know, me and my dad felt like that wasn't, good, you know, going to be the best situation, you know, for my college career after that. But um, Virginia and Miami were in my top five. So, you know, after taking, you know, a visit down to Miami, you know, seeing the beach and the, you know, sunny skies and, you know, knowing that's, yeah. that's going to be year round. I think it was an easy choice. Yeah. And then, and you're playing in the ACC too, then <laughs> double bonus. Exactly. <laughs> two, two birds, one star. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to jump right to then that magical t- 2012, 13 season. Uh, in mid December, uh, Miami had a road game at Savannah state, which is right near your hometown. Um, I saw that uh, mm-hmm. Miami coach uh, Joe Laranga uh, mentioned that the game was kind of scheduled as a tribute to you and how much you meant to the program. What did it mean for you uh, to have that game scheduled, and what was it like uh, really truly playing at home? Oh, man, it was great. Um, you know, Coach L really, really you know, did himself with that one. Um, but, you know, every year they try to, you know, schedule a game close, you know, for those seniors and, um, you know, give them a chance to play in front of a lot of fans that, you know, doesn't get to travel as much to, you know, to watch me play. So to be able to go into Savannah, and that's actually where I was born and uh, where most of my family lives on my mom's side. Um, you know, my son, my oldest son, Ryan Jr. was, you know, um, he was, I think, two at the time. He was even there, um, you know, all of my wife's family is from there. You know, her dad and my side of the family, a lot of people live there. So it was great to be able to, you know, play in front of so much family. And my mommy had a bunch of shirts made. And, you know, I had the whole the whole crowd in green. And, of course, they weren't at home. But it felt a home game for Miami that day. And then a month later came the big home win over number one Duke. Uh, ninety to sixty-three. It was the Hurricanes' first uh victory over number eight team in school history. Duke's work, worst regular season yeah. loss since nineteen eighty-four. And then the students rushed the court afterwards. Take us back to January twenty-three, uh, January twenty-third, two thousand thirteen, and how you remember that experience? All I remember is the orange blur that was running on the court. Honestly, <laughs> but uh. <laughs> It, that was that was an amazing experience. You know, that's that's one of those experiences that you go to college for. You know, you, you look forward to you up watching, you know, kids and fans rush the court after big games like that and to be a part of that, you know, was was another basically check off the off the college bucket list. So, you know, that was that was that was an amazing experience, man. If I if I could go back today I would and and that season was really magical. You know, Miami, you know, were the first school other than Duke and Carolina to win both the ACC regular season and tournament championships mm-hmm. in the same year since uh, NC State did it back in 74. Uh, you guys went to the tur- uh, NCAA tournament as a as a two seed. 
uh, reached the Sweet 16 for the first time since uh, since 2000, uh, and then lost to Marquette in the Elite Eight. It's, uh, probably one of the one of the the one of the, the the moments that you don't necessarily want to remember, but maybe just you know, how do you look back on that season, yeah, yeah. and and what do you what did you learn most from from that whole year? Yeah, even the last thing you said, uh, I I still I still love that experience, even losing in the Elite Eight. Of course, you know, you wish you could go further, but you know, it was, it was all a learning experience, and you know, I wouldn't trade how anything happened for the world, but man, that was just. That was just amazing. It was amazing. You know, the whole tournament run, that was literally the most fun I've ever had playing basketball. And, you know, the the relationships, you know, that you make with your teammates and the behind the brotherhood, that's something that, you know, will never go away. And even to this day, I'm in contact with all those guys every single day. You know, we have a Kane a game uh, group chat, so... You know, we work with each other and, you know, make sure everybody's doing good, you know, make sure everybody's, you know, having the times, you know, we talk to each other about a lot of things. So, you know, that that whole year really has shaped my basketball career to this day. So, you know, I wouldn't trade anything. And then you move from, from Corey Gables, Florida to Tel Aviv, not a bad uh, uh, move to, you know, weather-wise <laughs> yeah. and environment and everything. Uh, a couple months, and then you switched over to to to, to Belgium with Brussels. Um, you went undrafted in the 2014 NBA draft. How would you how would you rate your 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 rookie season as a professional? Um, out of ten, I'd probably say about a seven. You know, first year, you know, I, going down to Tel Aviv, and you know, I actually you know was playing pretty well. And you know, they wanted to go a, a different direction over there, which is you know having a another American guy with a Israeli passport, basically, you know, so they could deep it, deep in the roster a little bit, but, uh, you know, and then I went down to Brussels and, you know, still got to play with one of my old teammates. I actually won that championship with and Julian Gamble. So, um, you know, it wasn't a bad experience. Um, Brussels even taught me a lot, you know, uh, my coach down there, coach Serge, Brussels back to still there now, uh, I think he he pretty much shaped my my defensive uh, career um, in in the pros going forward. You know, he really pushed me a lot, and you know, got me to basically I was guarding point guards. You know, ninety four feet, so you know, I was just his, his philosophy. But um, you know, it was still a very good experience that first year. It taught me a lot of what to expect, and uh, you know, the different ways you know overseas and the, the, the clubs operate. So. You know, um, again, I still wouldn't trade it. You know, everything's a learning experience. So, but I, I give it a seven out of ten. Um, and and then after a full season in Brussels, then stayed there, and then uh, you went to Katia in Finland, uh, played in the BCL for the regular season, and ended up in the FIBA Europe Cup. Um, at Katia, you played with uh, Tamu Rakinen, uh, who played in the Euroleague for years, including with Olympia in 2012-13 as a 32-year-old. Um, he was 36 when you played with him. Um, maybe what kind of things did you learn uh, from him? Oh, like I said, he, he, he was the one who kind of taught me a lot about the, you know, playing the two leagues type of thing. You know, just, like I said, just being ready and being rested and doing all the right things to take care of your body and rehab and, you know, to make sure you were ready to go, you know, every game. And like I said, the different styles of play when you're playing against other you know, European teams, everyone plays different. And, 
you know, he, he was one of the ones, you know, who came out and said, hey, you, you have to be you every game, you know, don't try to change who you are and change how you play depending on how other people are playing. So, you know, he helped me kind of, you know, fall into my fall into my own identity. So that was, that was big for me going forward, that, especially that year. Yeah, and then also especially still relatively young in your career. I mean, that was your third season as a pro only. Yes, for sure. Uh, being at Patras, um, at, 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 uh, halftime and, and then after the game, uh, saw your, your kids, Ryan Jr. and Chris running around. Um, I even saw, uh, Ryan Jr. hit a, hit a, hit a shot just inside the free throw line. Um, we, we, we talked and, and, and Ryan Jr., the seven year old is, is in the, is, is in the academy with, uh, Prometheus. Um, maybe just how fun is it? uh to to see the kids running around did you did you do that at all with your father then after games and you know maybe just what it's like that whole atmosphere of having uh of having them run around uh with you on the road here out in Europe yeah no I, I actually didn't get to experience that part with my dad uh that was that was my brother that was uh traveling around with him uh okay by the time I was going, my dad was just was just hanging it up. So I just I just missed it. But um just being able to, to see them out there, you know, and enjoying themselves, they don't grasp exactly what is going on around them yet. You know, they just they're just running around being crazy. But, you know, the fact that, you know, I can take my family around the country and allow them to see different things and experience different cultures and languages. It's truly, truly a blessing. Um, you know, even my son Ryan Jr. He's and he's been to he's been to Belgium. You know, he's been to he's been to Finland. He's been to Germany. He's been uh, man, almost all a lot of places that I've been playing. You know, traveling and watching me play. And I mean, he could speak a little bit of French, a little bit of Greek, <laughs> English, Spanish. Like that that experience and you know those little things like that. Yeah. It's it's absolutely amazing. I can't wait to to show them how they ran around. You know, when they get older, trust me, I'll have it all on tape. <laughs> Let, let's come back to Prometheus. Um, you know, we we talked about you know not many people, uh, you know, maybe knew about this club, and and you know, there's maybe a little bit of a surprise element. You know, the first time you play against you guys, uh, but you you're, you guys are still winning games even the second time around. Uh, in the in this competition, the Basketball Champions League, um, what what makes this t- team so strong, so good? I think how deep how deep we are. We have a roster of really twelve guys that can that can step in and play, you know, at any given moment. And um, I think another thing is, you know, our team is basically it's, our team is built for two leagues. You know, we even have a slightly different rotation, you know, in Greek League and in Champions League. But, you know, everybody knows on any given night that, you know, they're going to have to play and they're going to have to give us something. And I think, you know, the thought of knowing that you're just going to, you know, basically right over there on the bench, you know, you're always going to be able to play and uh, contribute to the team is, is a big thing. And like I said, uh, our identity on defense, you know, just – kind of helter-skelter. It looks crazy, but, uh, you know, it's, it's organized in our head, but uh, I think that helps us helps us a lot. You know, like I said, we play at our speed, and we try to speed you up to play at our speed. So, 
you know, uh, you know, we've been staying true to our identity and it's really it's been working out for us. But, um, uh, you know, that, that family atmosphere, you know, that brotherhood that we have and that we've basically connected with in a very, very short amount of time, I think it's helped us a lot. Right, right now the team has a solid grip on second place in the group. Um, and, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the playoffs. You played two seasons yeah. at Miami with Decon Jones of, of Halone and, and uh, you know, also with uh, Julian Gamble at Nanterre. You mentioned you also won the championship uh, with him. Mm-hmm. How, much would, how much would you love to be able to face one of those guys along the road in the, in the BCL playoffs? Oh man, I've been keeping up with that group all year, <laughs> man. I was even uh, I was watching games last night, and um, you might you know, get one of them. Seeing that one of those guys could yeah could finish in third, you know, we could end up getting them on the draw. I've been I've been very excited. You know, we always have to have the the trash talk and the you know bragging rights <laughs> for for the group chat. So uh, I'm I am looking forward to you know, hopefully being able to play one of those guys. And, you know, it's always good to even just be able to see them. You know, we all travel all over the place and, you know, going all year. We don't get to see each other, you know, that much anymore. So even just being able to, you know, save ourselves and give them a hug, man, that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So let's not go too far in advance. Uh, you know, next uh, next week, you're, you're, you you stay home. You go to uh, you play uh, against uh, Neptunas Klaipeda. You know they're fighting for playoff mm-hmm. spots. You know they're right on the edge of the playoffs in the group. Um, you know you guys are trying to you know hammer down that second place. Uh, may just talk about your expectations for for that game then uh, next Wednesday. Yeah, of course, expectations to win. You know. Um... We don't want to have any slip-ups in these, in these last two games. And, you know, we actually even have a chance to, to go for first at, at this point, you know, especially with um, Bologna taking that big that big loss yesterday. yesterday. So, yeah. You know, we're, we're, look, we're looking to, to win out and, you know, we're even going for the one seed. You know, we, we want it all. We don't want to settle for anything. So, you know, that, that game's going to be really big. Last home game of the Champions League before the playoffs, so you know we're going to be looking to come out and send a message as usual. All right, uh, Ryan Brown, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. Uh, it was a it was a pleasure watching you play live and, and having a chance to to meet you after the game and and uh, it's been a, it's been a, it's been fun watching this this young and refreshing club uh, rise up in the in the basketball Champions League. So. Uh, been a pleasure and, and good luck down the road. Thank you very much, man. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks again to Prometheus star Ryan Brown for joining us on the show this week. Dave, that was a great interview. I, I thought he had some great insights. I loved what he said about uh, Prometheus having an identity, especially defensively, and how important that is in a competition like the BCL, where you're seeing so many different styles every week. And, and like he said, it's important not to get caught playing someone else's game. You want to stick to your style. So I thought that was some really cool insight there. Uh, what did you take away from your conversation with Ryan? Um, you know, he's, he's a really pleasant person, uh, you know, having a chance to, 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 to meet him and, and talk to him. And, uh, you know, there's a, a kid that, um, 
you know, I had a child uh, either as a, um, you know, as a sophomore or, or junior, I think a sophomore in college, you know, he's 27, he has a seven year old son uh, and another son as well. So, you know, that, that really changes your mentality, um, has his family around him and, and, uh, and, and you, you saw that everybody in the club really, um, really likes him. So, you know, that was one thing that definitely came over. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you got a chance to catch up with Brown while you were there. Dave, let's look ahead to game day 13. Like I said, there's only two weeks left in the regular season. The last day of the regular season is February 6th. Looking ahead to next week's games where there's a lot to be decided in terms of the playoff picture, which games are you most excited for on Tuesday? Uh, I think uh, the Besiktas Osten game. Uh, you know, Besiktas, uh, two teams that are rolling. Besiktas 6-1 and one in their last seven, and, and obviously Osten... Uh, winning their last six, uh, you know, uh, Besiktas is actually the last team to beat Ostend um, back on November fourteenth, and uh, you know this is this is going to be uh, a, 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 a really uh, important victor- uh, important game. You know, both teams seven and five and trying to to stay uh, out of uh, out of three way ties. You know, Ostend. You look at all those close games. You know, those close games might end up hurting them in tiebreakers. So, you know, it'd be huge for them to get another road victory. Besiktas playing great basketball. So that's what I got. What else you got? Yeah, that one's going to be huge. Also on Tuesday, Nizhny versus Vinspiels. Both of those teams fighting for a playoff spot in Group A. They have identical five and seven records. Uh, so that one is, is going to be critical. Also, Strasbourg hosting Bologna. We mentioned that. If Strasbourg mm-hmm. are going to salvage this situation and get into the playoffs, I think they, they pretty much have to win that. Their final two games so that's going to be uh, interesting to see how they respond and then looking at Wednesday's games uh, which ones are you uh, excited for there I, I, I like the Prometheus Neptunas you know um, Neptunas is uh, six and six one game behind Besiktas Ostend the return game uh, Jerusalem against Bamberg uh, should be pretty exciting and uh, yeah there's a couple more I'll let you uh, maybe pick one of the other ones yeah, those ones are going to be good for sure. In Group A, Avellino are hosting Le Mans. That's also going to be really important for the playoff picture. Yeah. Uh, and then in Group B, Nanterre hosting Venezia. We mentioned that the Venezia have not yet clinched a playoff spot. They're in second place at 8-4. and four, And then they've got Pauk, Halone, and Nanterre all behind them at 7-5. and five. So I'm not sure exactly how the tiebreakers work out, but if Venezia slip up on the road against Nanterre, they could be putting themselves in a really bad position to either potentially fall out of the playoff or or even you know just fall down to a four seed which would be a really bad situation for them after being second place in that group all season long so that's going to do it for this week's show thanks again to our guest ryan brown from prometheus for joining us for dave heinout in germany my name is austin green and this has been bcl coast to coast 